0: CHAPTER NINE OF REBEL SPURS BY ANDRE Norton This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Times is getting better. Crow Fenner rode with one knee cocked up over the horn of his saddle, allowing Tar to drop into a pace at which he seemed to be actually sleepwalking. The wagon train was traveling slow, the wagons riding heavy in the ruts, with their burden of northern goods heading south. But they were strung in good order, and Drew, having seen the screen of outriders and Pima scouts, thought that they offered temptation, they were not to be easily taken, by anything less than a small troop, very well armed and reckless. yes sirree, this here's the second time we made the trip through without having to burn up a sight of gunpowder. Guess them army boys milling around, back and forth across the territory, do some good after all. Pretty soon there won't be no need for wearing guns loose and trying to grow eyes in the back of your skull, but Fenner's own rifle still rode on guard across his knees, and Drew noted that the scout never broke a searching survey of the countryside. Getting downright civilized, huh? Anse brought his mount up equal with the other two. Fenner spat. Now that there, I ain't cottonin' to none. Ride long without some injun or bandito popping lead at my back, YUP, That's what a man can enjoy. But I ain't taken to have maybe one of them dar injun trains snorting out dirty smoke and sparks hereabouts. Took me a ride on one of them things once, never again. Why a man wants to get himself all stuck up with cinders and cover territory faster than the good lord ever intended him to travel? That's some stupid thinking I can't take to. A good horse, maybe a wagon, does a man want to do some trading like Don Cazar that's right enough? But them trains, they're sure pizzin' and a full soppin' keg of it. Drew looked about him, the road rutted deep by the heavy wagons curled southward. Those wheel tracks had first been cut almost a hundred years earlier when the Spaniards had set up their southwestern outposts. This country was far older than Kentucky and with just as bloody a history of wars, raids and battles. Kentucky had been tamed, trains did puff along through the bluegrass and the mountains there, but here he shook his head in answer to his own thoughts. "'Ain't nobody gonna try to run a railroad through here,' Anse replied promptly, first-place They're going to be busy for a while back east, putting up new ones for all them that were busted up in the war. Our boys and theirs, too, got real experts toward the end, and could heat up a rail and tie a regular noose in it, or some tree handy to rope it round. Going to take the Yankees some doing to get all them back into place," he laughed. Drew, remember that time we took them river steamers and had us a real feed? times when i was in that yankee stockade eating the swill they called rations i used to dream about them pickles and canned peaches and crackers with long sweetening pourin' on em heard tell as you boys don't think the war's clear over yet fenner observed didn't you have yourself a ruckus with the soldiers at the four jacks drew's reminiscent smile faded but he was not going to keep on protesting about the right or wrong of what happened back in town. The way Nye and Topham had hustled Anse and him out with the wagon train had made it seem as if they were in disgrace, and that rankled a lot. What was expected of them, that they should have left Helms poured on, maybe serve as butts for a series of practical jokes without raising a finger in their own defense. On the other hand, the Kentuckian could see the sense behind Topham's arguments. If Bayliss wanted to use Drew's connection with the range as a weapon in some scheme against Hunt Rennie, then Hunt Rennie's son was only too willing to clear out. Perhaps he should clear out even farther and head for California. Drew began to think about that. There was Sage. She couldn't hope to make such a trip for maybe six months. That would mean putting off traveling until next spring or early summer, but six months... Of course he could go now, Don Cazar would buy the foal and Shadow, too, and give him a fair price. That would be relinquishing a dream. No spur or brand would ever be established here in Arizona, but sometimes dreams were priced too high." "'Your mighty grim mouth,' Anse commented, glancing at Drew sideways. thinking of trains running through here get you down that far, or else that roughin' up you took in town? "'Still sit sour on your stomach?' "'Sit sour, all right,' Drew admitted. "'Sit sour to think we were suckered into it.' The scout glanced from one to the other of the young men. "'You think there's something in all that talk Toppin was giving lip to?' Anse asked? "'Could be. Can't say. As how I'd like to find out the truth. "'Look here, Fenner. We heard a lot about Captain Bayliss. "'Wantin' to make trouble for Don Cazar.' does everybody believe that everybody what ain't blind deaf or out of their natural born wits fenner replied Bale has come out here two years ago for that major kenny he was in command between here and tucson he had him an outpost right on the edge of the range him and don cazar they never talked no war except against the apaches and the bandidos was there a raid the major he took out the troops and don cazar he took out his riders and the Pimas. Tween them, they give everybody what wanted a spot of trouble, all they could chew off, and a lot more than they could swallow. Kept things quiet, even if a man had to rest his hand on his rifle about twenty-four hours out of every day. But there's here Bayless; He's been like a mule with a burr under his tail ever since he hit the territory. Wants to have the say about everything including what goes on at the range, which he ain't never gonna have as long as Don Cazar can sit in the saddle and ride. Back in 62, when the Rebs came pounding in here, they spoke soft and nice to Don Cazar. They wanted him to back their play and see him straight on to California. He was from Texas, and them Texas boys just naturally thought as how he'd saddle up and ride along with them. Only he said it loud and clear that such ruckusin' around only meant the whole country here'd go to pot. When the army pulled out, the Apaches got it into their heads as how they had finally licked us, good and proper, and this here was their country for the takin', Nearly was, too. Then the Rebs got up on their high horse and said how ifin Don Cazar wasn't with them, then he was against them, and they would just move in on him. He told them to go ahead and try. And seems as how there was only one company hereabouts, Howard's Rangers. They didn't try. That's when Johnny Shannon had his big bust up with his pa, and... His father? Drew could not help the exclamation. Well, Don Cazar ain't Johnny's real pa, of course, but he sure thinks the world and all of Johnny, raising him up from a little cub. Johnny want more than four, thereabouts when Don Cazar went back to Texas and got him. Don Cazar's been like a pot of Johnny since, and a mighty good one too. But when the Rangers were around here in 62, Johnny, he had a big row, and run off to join him. Just a half-grown kid, not big enough to raise a good bush of hair on his chin yet. When the Yankee boys from California came marching in, and the Rebs had to skedaddle, Johnny, he went with him. Didn't see Johnny round here again till last fall, when he came riding in, looking mighty beat out and down in the mouth. But when the Union men came, they was thinking the same about Don Cazar, wanted him to jump right in and swim alongside of him. But he says as how the safety of his people was what was important. He was fighting Apaches and holding the land, and that was what meant the most to his thinking. Then the Yankees did a lot of fancy cussin' out about him, trying to make out that he was a Reb, cause Johnny lit off with the Southerners. Till they began to discover nothing much goes on round here, lessing Don Cazar has a finger in the pot. And they had to swallow a lot of them hot and hasty words, stuck heavy in quite a few craws, I reckon. Fenner grinned. Only the Don, he's got again him, now a big list of little men, who'd like to be big chiefs every once in a while they gets together and makes war talk never quite got up guts enough to paint their faces and hit the trail not yet but somebody like bayliss looks like he's beginning to make things move and then he'd have a lot of willing hands to help him shove up to now johnny's been their best bet at getting the range into trouble drew turned his head to look Fenner in the eye now you think we are he did not know why he uttered that as a challenge the words just came out that way not any more than any of us want can be drawn into a fight in town you keep away from bayless he can't come hunting you without tipping his hand so wide he'd never be able to play again hey here comes somebody pounding leather so hard he's going to beat it right into the ground fenner pulled up tar flung up his hand to signal the wagons to a halt dust rolled in a cloud with two or three riders at its center they were pushing the pace all right drew jerked his carbine from its saddle boot and saw ants beat him to that action by a scant second or two but the newcomers were already drawing rein bringing their foam-lathered horses to a pawing stop a buckskin clad man mounted on a powerful gorilla gelding faced fenner his whole tense body and snapping eyes, backing the demand he made. "'Where's Johnny?' "'Back at town, Rennie, at docks. He ain't bad. Got him a head crease, would knocked him silly for a bit. Doc says a day or two in bed, and then he can come home. How did it happen? That second question was as sharp as the first. Nobody got it straight out of him yet. Army patrol picked him up on the road close to town. Looked like he'd been footin' it for quite a spell. And by that time, he didn't know what he was doing. Now I got him to docks, and they put him to bed. He ain't said much, cept Kitchell jumped him down Long Canyon Way. Kitchell? Hunt Rennie repeated the name and nodded. But Long Canyon? There was a shade of puzzlement in his voice. All right, carry on, Crow. I'll try to get back to the stronghold before you pull south. If Johnny's all right, maybe I can bring him back with me." The grulla made what was close to a standing leap into a gallop, and Rennie flashed along the line of wagons, in the opposite direction towards Dubaca. Fenner signaled once more, and the wagon train began the slower trip southward. Drew sat watching the dust rise again as the trio of riders pounded away. He could no longer make out individual riders, just a rising dust. Rennie on his way to Johnny Shannon. What had Fenner said? Little cub, weren't more than four. Drew Rennie at four? Hard to sort out one memory from another. There had been that time Uncle Murray had caught him down at the creek, making paper boats. How could a child that young know one kind of paper from another? But hot Rennie's son was judged... TO HAVE TORN UP A LETTER WITH DELIBERATE MALICE, NOT JUST taken PAPER FOUND CONVENIENTLY ON THE VERANDA. WAS HE FOUR THEN, OR EVEN YOUNGER, BUT HE COULD REMEMBER THE PUNISHMENT VERY VIVIDLY, AND THE TIME HE ran OFF TO SEE THE CIRCUS COME INTO TOWN. HE AND SHELLY, COUSIN JEFF, COUSIN MARY, THEY HAD TRIED TO BEG HIM OFF FROM GRANDFATHER'S PUNISHMENT THAT TIME, NOT THAT THEY HAD SUCCEEDED. Drew Rennie at four, at six, at twelve, at sixteen. Riding out at night was Castleman's Company, weaving a path south through enemy-occupied territory to join General Morgan. Few of those would-be cavalrymen over twenty-one. Yes, he could remember for Drew Rennie all the way back. Hey, you planning to claim this here range? his horse trotted up, and Drew was suddenly aware that the trailer of the last wagon had already pulled past him. He tightened rein, and the well-trained horse broke into a canter. Not hardly. He tried to meet Anse's attempt at humor halfway. Don't look too promising. Listen here, Anse rode so close that their spurs were near to hittin. You sure you got hold of the right end of the running iron now? What do you mean? Well, about Shannon. You heard what Fenner said. Rennie's like a paw to him, and maybe his voice died away. "'And maybe that's that. He has my place, and it's really his now?' Drew asked bleakly. "'Could be.' Yes, it could well be that this was a good time to bow out. Maybe he should not have ridden out of Tabaka at all. Maybe he should have cut out of the game yesterday, or never come down into the valley weeks ago, or left Red Springs, those babies stretched as far back and as neatly in line as the railroad tracks they had been talking about earlier, one slipping smoothly into another, as if cast in one strong string of doubts. Just as he had had the moment of disappointment the first time he had seen Hunt Rennie, so he felt that identical void now, only twice as wide and deep. What had he expected, anyway? Some kind of instant recognition on his father's part That all the welcoming would be on the other side, breaking right through the barrier he had been building for years. His feelings were so illogical he could have laughed at them, only he had no laughter left. He had not tried to open the door, so why did he care if it remained firmly shut? Did you ever think about California, ants? Sounds like a place a man would like to see. He was conscious that the Texan's horse quick and pace, only to be reined in again. You thinking about cutting out yesterday? Yesterday? Drew tried to think back to how he had felt yesterday about Toppin's warning, and how he himself had held the absurd belief that if Don Cazar was going to be in trouble, Drew himself wanted to be there. That was yesterday, but still he pointed his horse south to the place where Hunt Rennie would return. BRINGING JOHNNY SHANNON. The Kentuckian fell back on the old wait-and-see. He had learned long since that time took care of a lot of worries. Now he made himself grin at ants. Was worrying about wet feet before my boots were in the river again, he confessed. Don't let it get to be no habit, the Texan warned. You try riding with the bumps a while, not against them. Agreed. Drew urged his horse on toward the front of the train, where they wouldn't have to breathe the dust. My cousin, Anson Kirby, Drew made the introduction to Bartolome Rivas. The wagons were forted up outside the stronghold, a second square, smaller, but almost as easily defended as the adobe walls. In two or three days the train would pull out again, starting the long trip down into Sonora. Rivas surveyed Anse not too amicably, his gaze going from man to horse and its gear, then back to the Texan once more. "'You are Tejano,' he said flatly, "'from Nueza?' Anse showed no surprise at being so accurately identified. "'Been bush-popping,' he agreed, smiling. "'Not much cattle here,' Rivas returned. "'Run horses in the San Saba for the war,' Anse's tone was offhand he might have been discussing the weather don cazard decides bartolome said there is work at the corrals but he will decide fair enough anse agreed when bartolome had moved out of hearing he added for drew's benefit i think it'd be no if that hombre had the saying he plumb don't like my style but rennie does need men guards for the wagon trains riders anse shrugged as he off saddled Will he want one? Has got into a brawl about his third day in town? Anyway, maybe I've had a day or so to breathe full before he tells me to roll my bed again if he's going to. During the next three days Drew made a new discovery, just as he had fallen into an easy working rhythm with Ants back in the army, so that on the occasion their thoughts and actions matched without the need for speech. Now they combined operations in the corrals. Drew's bare and painfully acquired competence with the rope was paired with the Texan's range training, while Anse's cruder and faster method of topping a wild one was smoothed by Drew's more patient, gentling process. Both of them were so absorbed by what they were doing that the Baca and what might be going on there had no more immediate meeting than the words in the books which had ridden to the stronghold in drew's saddlebags in the late afternoon of the third day the kentuckian was walking a long-legged bay on a lead when leon climbed to the top pole of the corral the patron he comes he announced drew faced about two riders escorted at hardly more than a fast walk a buckboard in which were two other men Drew caught a glimpse of a white bandage under the brim of the passenger's hat and knew that Johnny Shannon was coming home. Ants. Drew raised a hand, suddenly knowing that his fingers were moving in the old scout signal of trouble ahead. The Texan came across the corral. Drew's bay snorted, took a dance step or two to the right as if it had picked up sudden tension from the men. What's up? Anse pushed back his hat, turned up a corner of his neckerchief, and swabbed the lower half of his sweating face. Rennie's back. Drew watched Leon hurry to take the buckboard reins, watched Hunt Rennie give a hand to Johnny. Then he saw Shannon jerk away from that aid, walking stiffly toward Casa Grande, while Rennie stood for an instant, looking after the younger man before following him croaker tossed his head so high his limber ear bobbed in the murky air he brayed mournfully anse glanced at the mule's long melancholy face that's the way you think it's going to be croaker well maybe so maybe so end of chapter nine